The King New Dreamers are proud to partner with Bluehost, the most powerful web hosting around. We love Bluehost and we'll use no other host for our website. Right now, Bluehost will host your website for only $3.95 a month. The perfect time to start that website you've always wanted or to move your website to a better provider. To get this deal, go to the Bluehost link in the show notes. Does I have a dream? Staggered by the winds of police brutality. Now, you have been the veterans of creative suffering. The ballot or the bullet is to either ignore them or, or to deny them without giving And we stand together to win the war. One false step for man. Yes, we can. Welcome to the Wild Wild World Show, the podcast of conscious Christian conversation about the chaos in the cosmos, because we're All back. The All the seas trying to get the alliteration going for you. That's what good preachers do. So I'm trying to stay in my lane. And writers. Too. That's also true, but we're back. Kellen and Will, you can uh, catch us at kingdomdreamer.com. This is a Kingdom Dreamer podcast trying to reunite righteousness and justice. Kellen, how are you feeling today? Man, Will, I'm feeling all sorts of ways. I, I, I'm, I'm in all sorts of feelings. You know, I'm up, down, and all around right now. I don't even really know how I'm exactly feeling, other than I am glad to be here chopping up with you today, uh, talking to our people, you know. So appreciate everybody listening, checking us out iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you at. Even, Will, the folks we ain't shout out in a while, our 2020, 2022 listeners. That's you know? true. We haven't talked to them in a minute. We haven't talked to our future listeners, so we appreciate y'all coming back and checking out these archives like we know you will be because we don't blow up shwaited. Um, So appreciate y'all. You know, hope everything is going well in the near future there. But uh, no, we're glad to be here. We got a lot to talk about, though. That's for sure. Lot to talk about, which we'll get to in a second. But you know, to catch us, catch us on Twitter, Kingdom X Dreams. Catch me at William R Horn H O R N E. Kellen, oh boy, underscore K, underscore R. Can't even wake up for his own Twitter handle. You can support the movement at Patreon.com forward slash Kingdom Dreamers. Well, we do have a special guest today, man. It's hard to wake up for my Twitter handle when yours put me to sleep, though. Well, that's why I always say it first, so you can sleep through (laughs) yours as well. Hilarious. We, we got a special guest today, if you didn't notice. If you're watching the YouTube being like, why is there a third person? That's weird. We have a special guest today, the one and only Mel Reeves, to talk about an important conversation we have today. Um, but you, know, you can catch – well, go ahead, Kellen. What you got to say about uh, that? No, I was just going to say, you know, you are very generous because, you know, I know when people come on, you're supposed to call them special and everything. So I don't know if that's the case, but we do have a guest today. Very special. We very have special. a guest I don't, today. I don't put not special guest on the show. It's not <laughs> we, worth we my have, time. We have a guest. We'll let you decide how special – no, I'm, I'm joking. And, and the reason I'm joking is because our guest today is Mr. Melvin Reeves, who happens to be my father. Now – before you, you know, skip or go to the next episode, please know we don't just bring family members on to the episode <laughs> just because, right? I, I got homies that always ask me, hey, can I get on the show? Can I get on the show? I always say, look, if you got something to bring to the table for our listeners, not just now in 2020, but our 2022, 2023 listeners as well, that's going to bring value to them, then we'll do that. Now, my pops has not yet been on the show, but that's not because of lack of value. That's just, you know, life circumstances and things of that nature. But Mel Reeves, just so y'all know, this man is a longtime human rights activist and organizer and journalist. He's been on the front lines in, um, in, in my hometown of Minneapolis uh, in the fight for justice in a long line of areas, and particularly when it comes to racial ju- uh, justice and more specifically injustice in this country. Well-known a uh, member of, of my community back home in Minneapolis. Um, and he's also the editor-in-chief of the Minneapolis Spokesman Recorder. So this is not just, you know, throw, throw pops a bone. This man is a is a leader. Um, and if you grew up like I did in Minneapolis, obviously I grew up with him. But, you know, many of my, my colleagues and friends and people my age grew up seeing him on the news, you know, as, as he would say, raising ruckus when, when things have gone down. And as you guys know, things have gone down 
uh, this week, sadly mm. enough, in my hometown of Minneapolis. So I'm getting ahead of myself. But welcome, welcome, uh, Dad, Father Mel. I'm going to try to call you Mel for the rest of the show and see if I can. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> oh, so I can get away with it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to work, but let's do it. <laughs> so uh, It's going to be funny. I think other viewers may find it kind of uh, a little humorous. <laughs> I'll find a humorous, and you know, look. Thankfully, we we need a little levity um, in, in life right now with everything that's going on. But welcome to the show, for most, most uh, for the first time, Mr. Reese. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, we, we're going to bring you in in one second, uh, but will you know? As we kind of alluded to, there's been a lot going on this week in the world. Um, you know, uh, those of you that maybe maybe you had your head in the sand and maybe you listen to Wild Wild World to get your news for some reason. I wouldn't necessarily suggest that, <laughs> but if you do and, you, and you, you know, maybe you've been busy with life, uh, you, you may know that uh, just in this past week, the week started off with uh, a sad situation that, you know, at the same time wasn't didn't feel quite as serious, which was the Central Park situation um, where a, uh, a, a white woman you know, was caught on film threatening to call the police and actually did call the police on a black man stating that I'm going to call the police and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me uh, for the crime of asking her to put her dog on a leash. Right. And so at the beginning of the week, Will, that was, you know, kind of, I don't know if I'm going to call it national news, but it was kind of national news. It was, what was blown up the Twitter, uh, Twitter feeds and, and headlines and things of that nature. And, and, and that was, Serious enough as we started off with discussions about, you know, race and privilege and weaponizing privilege and those sorts of things. And then um, I'm saying, unfortunately, well, I don't even know if unfortunately is the word I want to use here. It doesn't feel strong enough. Um, but tragically, uh, we saw yet another uh, death at the hands of the police by a black uh person i won't even just say man because with uh brianna i believe taylor uh that just happened a, a week or two ago as well uh, mm -hmm. another uh, uh black person was killed at the hands of police this time um floyd george was choked uh to death on camera um in my hometown of minneapolis and not just in my hometown but literally in basically the neighborhood that i grew up in uh spent a lot of my, my youth there in front of a store i've been in and frequented many times uh, on streets. I've walked down, biked down, rode the bus past, drove past uh, for years and years and years, right? Um, so this one, I mean, a lot of, you know, they're all hitting home, but, you know, this one was a little different, um, you know, as I'm watching the protests and I, and we'll, we'll, we'll speak to, to Pops here about it in a little bit because he was down there, you know, uh, involved as, as he always is. But I saw a protest, you know, down streets that, you know, mean something to me, that that mm -hmm. are familiar to me, that I know like the back of my hand. And so when that happens, it just kind of hits home a little different. So I've had a real weird time kind of processing all of my feelings and emotions about all this. Well, it's been a lot of anger. Um, I'm trying to harness that anger in a proper way. Uh, but so, yeah. So when you ask how am I doing this week, well, that, that's kind of that's kind of what I've, where I've been. I've been processing and trying to figure out exactly how to express myself when it comes to things like this. So uh, before we bring Pops in and, and, and get his, his initial thoughts, Will, how have you been just kind of perceiving and taking in all of this stuff that's been going on this week? Yeah, I mean, we've said, you know, this show again was birthed during the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. It seems like this is a, a continued repeat thing. Uh, that we could literally talk about every week. Uh, and if it wasn't caught on video, who knows, you know what I mean, what, what would happen. But I do think, I guess one of the things with this is, I mean, there's a lot of grief and lament that I think people need to be having. It's hard when we become numb to death and numb particularly to the death of black bodies. Uh, and we continue to see that. But I think this particular, at least as I think about this cultural moment, um, in history where we just see or just saw, you know, protests from white protesters with automatic weapons coming up in the Capitol over COVID-19 regulations, right? And then we see protests um, in response to a real justice issue, an actual state-sanctioned murder, essentially, right? Uh, 
uh, and see the response from cops. So it's like a lot of things that people have been making philosophical questions are not philosophical questions. We're in a cultural moment where they're all facing together, right? Of what happens, uh, how race relates to the way law enforcement works in this country, both in response to protests and both in response to um, killing, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's I think it's a we're hitting a peak in terms of yeah, like I said, things have been philosophical for some people before. Um, hopefully, this breaks some of that for particularly uh, white people like myself who don't experience things like that to be able to all of it coming to a head. You can't deny what's happening in front of you, right? right. With everything being juxtaposed as it is, but. Uh, it's certainly a time for grief and lament. So it's hard to, hard to factor all those things in. Yes, yeah, a lot. It's a lot. Um, so, um, Pops, Mel, uh, wanted to throw it out to you. I mean, you, you have obviously been in the front line with this. And, um, you know, I, I know that our listeners don't all, you know, know you like I know I do. So they might not necessarily know you know, your level of involvement with these things. But as someone that's been on the front line uh, with not just the Floyd George situation, unfortunately, but also, you know, uh, situations like Philando Castile and, and others that have uh, suffered in, uh, in the Twin Cities area, what, what, is your, what are your, I guess, uh, initial thoughts or, you know, um, most prescient thoughts that you have right now about um, this week's situation? Well, like everybody else, so, you know, I was upset. I think I've seen it so much that my first reaction was, I wasn't upset. I was kind of numb. It took me a while to, but it really hit me. In fact, when it started to hit me, I think I sent you a, a text. Um, so, man, I need a little extra prayer this week, uh, today, because I knew it was going to be, you know, nonstop. People were asking me questions and, and you know, as my responsibility with the paper. we got to get a story out. So I was just... Uh, there's no word to describe. I was a mixture of numb, upset. I, I kind of wasn't that upset because I've seen it too much. It was like, it was, sounds really terrible to say, here we go again. And the other little part of me as an actor was, uh, was like, man, uh, I was hoping I could rest, <laughs> you know. And I'm a little older, so I guess I am getting a little, re- I'm not, you know, I, I probably should be in leadership a little more, but times have changed. And so people, uh, you know, they, you know, they don't want to really listen to the old activists anymore. And that's unfortunate. And so um, I have a heavy heart today, right now, as we're speaking, because uh, before we got on a call, I found out that we, you know, we've been trying to organize and help organize, get in front of this. So this would not happen uh, because, you know, the young people have been taunting the police and doing stuff. So now it's turned into a semi-riot over in the target area that you pay for me with Kelly. Uh, they've uh, actually looted the Target store and all these store, and I think even I heard the liquor store next door. So um, this is in downtown. Uh, that means downtown Minneapolis. Is, no, not downtown. This isn't. No, no. You know, this is off Lake Street in South. Oh, Minneapolis. okay, okay. Like, so, right okay. in the middle of South Minneapolis, there. it's a big mall area where several yeah. stores are in Target, and this is where it's across the street from the Third Precinct uh, Police Station. And so I was out there. Uh, filming. Uh, I was out there in March yesterday, and the end of it, I filmed some of when everybody else couldn't film. And so, the, you know, the, the anger is palpable. And I think also people are stressed out as a result of being locked down from the COVID. So those two things are coming together. So people, mm-hmm. right, so people normally who might be able to think a little better are just stressed out and tense. And so that's, I think, it's a part of this. And I'm frustrated because I know that there, the efforts to get uh, justice for uh, George Floyd is going to be real much is going to be a little more difficult because the press is going to highlight the struggle they did yesterday. They said police, and even though we had a big peaceful protest near the end, there was this conflict. They said police and 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 protesters clashed. Nothing about justice for for George Floyd. I know Kevin, I struggle with it. It's George George Floyd. I sometimes want to call him Lloyd, <laughs> but it's George Floyd. And I just heard, and I'm, I guess it's true. That he is related to um, Stephen Jackson. Yes. So I, I'm not sure. I was looking into that. I'm not sure if he's actually. Re- 
Steven Jackson caught, for those that don't know, Steven Jackson is a uh, former NBA player. He's also present now in the media. Uh, he will be what we would describe as one, of, uh, as a real one. <laughs> um, uh, but he caught, he uh, made a video calling him his brother. Um, I'm not sure if they're actual brothers or if they're just very close friends. They look alike. So he, he basically referenced that they call each other twin because they do look alike. So I'm not sure if it's his actual brother yet or his close friend. Um, but either way, he's someone that uh, Steven Jackson was close with. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's all kind of connections. So anyway, so um, today we spent trying to organize for a rally on Thursday. And what's happening today makes me realize that the, the rally tomorrow is really important. It's really important that we hold it together and make our clear demand. But um, I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm not hopeless, but I don't know what this. I don't know where we're going to go from here. Uh, people are frustrated. This reminds me of the '60s when you know the activists had organized. You know they knew what they're doing. They organized everything, and uh, you had the march, rally, the protest, and then folks rioted anyway, right? And it's like because people just are only going to take so much, right? and at some point, you know, even your best laid efforts. Uh, try to get justice uh, through, you know, through, I guess, extra legal means, but peacefully are just going to be laid, laid aside because people are just too frustrated. And you can only push people so long before they push back. You know, that's an interesting um, point you make, Mel, uh, <laughs> when you speak about the uh, – the 60s, because I know this is a conversation you and I have had, and I believe, Will, we've talked about it even on the podcast when, uh, you know, we spoke about, you know, kind of what is it going to take for people to do something, you know, for things like this to stop, right? And we talked about, you know, during the, you know, when the civil rights movement was in full effect, um, people were at their wits end. Um, people felt like, a lot of people felt like they didn't have much to lose. Their rights, their freedoms, their bodies were being... Um, taken from them. And so the decision to go on the street and march and, and face, you know, dogs and fire hoses and, um, just, you know, jail and all those sorts of things was more of a, I, I believe from, you know, what I, I wasn't alive then from what I've seen and read, people, a lot of people felt like, hey, we have to do this, right? This is necessary. And uh, something I've said often is that, you know, a large part of the reason why I think people don't get out there and do those things now and I'm, I'm not excluding myself from this is that life is just a little too good for most people to have taken those steps you have a little too much to risk you know you, you maybe not dirt poor maybe you got a decent job you know you, you there's a little bit of a light you know somewhere at the end of the tunnel so that's enough to kind of keep your head you know, I don't think I'm gonna risk going to jail today <laughs> you know I don't think mm -hmm. I'm gonna risk um being fired because I don't show up to work for a couple of days because we're protesting. You know, I, a little while ago I was reading about the bread riots in uh, in Russia um, back in the um, the World War One days. You know, and people literally left the factories, didn't go to work, and they rioted and pro or not necessarily riot, but they protested in the streets for days and days and days and days and days because they said we can't live with these conditions anymore. And I think what start what's starting to happen is that, especially with all these things being on video now, is people are finally getting starting to get to that point. We're saying this is no longer something we can live with um, at this level. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that thought? I don't know. I mean, I, the question is, are we to that? That's kind of what I was alluding to as well. Is I feel like this is a cultural moment, at least a larger stepping stone in this, based off what I'm seeing off responses. Because um, I'm looking on, you know, and social media is distorted in a lot of ways, but looking on social media, people that I've seen in my networks that previously wouldn't say anything or previously would say, uh, you know, wait for the facts type ideas and stuff like that, mm. like are actually seeing the reality with this. And I don't know if that's the accumulation of, you know, what's happened over really the, since 2016 um, and the accumulation of the Black Lives Matter movement and then the opposing, you know, racial rhetoric of the Trump administration and the Trump cult that follows it. I don't know if it's the accumulation of those things that's created this cultural moment, um, but I do feel like maybe we're getting to a place where people will actually risk something to bring about change but i don't know it i mean we have to see we're right in the moment right now so we don't it could 
be like everything else where it becomes a, I said something on social media, therefore I leave my guilt of participation and now we move on with whatever happens next and nothing actually changes, you know? That's my word. I think that is a step, though. I mean, I, I actually noticed a similar thing of I saw some accounts of, you know, some some of national folks that typically, you know, kind of remain silent in this. And right. especially when we talk about from the Christian perspective, uh, some, you know, kind of larger Christian leaders that would normally kind of say, well, hey, you know, this is sad. Let's pray for everybody. You know, just kind of give a generic whatever. Then I come out saying this is wrong. This is evil, you know, that are speaking much more um, directly than they ever have before. And even like, I know this is a personal anecdote, I know, but I even just briefly had the thought earlier that I said, you know, I typically in this, these situations, one of my critiques of uh, police and why I push back on the quote unquote good cop narrative is that oftentimes when these things happen, the, all the supposed good cops are silent, right? So I said, if they're so good, why don't, why do they never call out right. what their, their coworkers and colleagues are doing? And I said, you know, I actually know a couple of, police people that I grew up with that are police or whatever. And I went and checked out what they were saying on their social media. And the one I found quickly came out and was like, this is wild. This is crazy. You know, he said, had a couple choice words and, and was basically really strongly denouncing um, not only the officers that were involved, but just the, the system, which I thought was, I, I've never seen that just quite frankly, I've never seen that happen. Um, now granted, this is a guy that grew up in Minneapolis, but, so you're right. I don't know. It seems like it might be different. I don't know. Um, Dad, what do you think? I mean, you, you are really there, you know, kind of on the ground. What, what do you think about uh, that sentiment that things are maybe shifting a bit? No, I, I think there's some truth to it. Uh, um, I noticed when uh, Ahmad Arbery was killed, um, and it was since he was a runner, they had Arbery run, and it caught my attention that, some little country police department came out and ran with the folks. And uh, like, you know, maybe it'd been like a police department of like eight people or mm -hmm. 10 or 12. It was a small police department, but you know, I could be exaggerating, maybe it was a little bigger than that, but they came out and I think every one of them participated in, in the race. And so folks were like, well, why y'all here? And they said, because we don't agree with what happened and we want to make it clear that our department doesn't support that kind of thing. And it was a police department in like little Hodunk, Hodunk, Georgia. And um, and so you also saw responses online uh, by people, and what what uh, lets you know there's some kind of sea change going on is, you know, even when bad things would happen, people kind of they see it and still you know add qualifiers and modifiers, and that's terrible. You know, uh, that looks like I mean, wow. But what was uh, he doing? Like that's people what like mean. Gail King, yes, they or or they see it and you know Gail King was out, but what struck me and it's gonna stay is Megan McCain, who came out and said. Well, that was 100% murder. Hmm. Megan McCain was pretty conservative. You got to hear her, what she says on The View. And she says, what I said, she says that she doesn't really think that Americans are going to, she said American, not just African-Americans. She says, I don't think Americans are going to put up with this much longer, which, which since she's a conservative, I think she's giving a warning to the people who run things that you're going to figure out how to chill. Or you're going to lose the whole deal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to lose your control of this population. And uh, with all the things that have been done on this pandemic, and that's a whole nother show, right, y'all? <laughs> but you couple what's, you know, what's been happening economically and politically, and then this kind of social thing, and you saw the protests here. Uh, yesterday, the protests in Minneapolis, and this thing was about 97 percent white. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. uh, because South Minneapolis is much more white than uh, the other parts of the city, or North Minneapolis. Now, it got a lot more black, a lot more dark when the march took place and when it got to the police station. But that's a telling thing. People are upset. That people are really, really, really upset. And I think we, we're not quite there yet, but, uh, you know, we're at the point where we're gonna, people are going to figure out they're going to take sides. And you make a good point, too, Will. Uh, a lot of folks who normally would be like, uh, I don't know, uh, the last few killings, more and more people are saying, well, there's something, there's something askew here, you know? And this is what frustrates me sometimes with the Christian community is that a lot of times, you know, we've been sitting back and putting modifiers and qualifiers and things like, no, you, you, you know, if you love God for crying out loud, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you you got to speak up. 
uh, for what's right. And, you know, one of the things is we're supposed to hate evil and do good. You know, you got to spend some time hating evil <laughs> as well, you know. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm mystified by it. I'll be then I won't get into it, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of mystified by a lot of Christians' response to some of the stuff that goes on. I honestly can tell you, I really don't understand what motivates. I have a clue what motivates me. Yeah, and that's all. We've had that conversation a lot, the way that uh, people pimp Jesus' name for whatever social cultural ideal they hold, you know, which causes them to miss things like the image of God, some very basic things that would cause you to fight for justice. Um, actually, both of you, I think, kind of made this point. One thing that this, and this is not a new thought, because again, we've really talked about this before. I think what's happening with, you know, whether it's conservatives or other people that are kind of shifting and speaking out when they normally wouldn't is I think the lie is kind of being exposed. And I think for folks like us that um, are aware of these things, it, it, it may seem kind of silly. Um, but I think there's a large fragment of the population that survives with their head in the sand. Um, you know, I've often said, and we've talked about it. I think one of the biggest things that keeps people from, fighting racism or dealing with racism and things like that is that they don't want to actually have to confront the realities of the world they live in because it'll, ha it'll force them to have to change their worldview and in particular their view of America, which, you know, a lot of people put a lot of stock into the country that they're in, especially a lot of Americans. And if you have to actually open, take off the blinders, open your eyes to what this country really is in a lot of areas, I think it, you know, people, it, 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 it's dangerous. It, it affects people in a lot of ways, you know? And so I think what's happening with these things being kind of put in everybody's faces at this point, you can't keep kind of holding on to this lie that, Oh, well, everybody's equal or even the lie that, ah, oh, you know, racism is kind of dead. You know, those black people or brown people over there, they're just, you know, they just ain't living right. They're just doing something. Oh, the police did something. Well, what was he doing wrong? You know, like all of those different excuses that people can kind of throw out there so that they don't have to deal with, the realities, um, you know, and I'm not talking about the people that are blatantly, obviously, and proudly racist. So, you know, it's like kind of like the white moderate, like uh, MLK talked about the people that can just say, ah, well, you know, I don't think it's as bad as they, as they say it is. Mm -hmm. These things, when you see a mod Arbery being hunted down and trapped down by three white men with shotguns who feel like they can take the law into their own hands, you know, when you see uh, Breonna Taylor being shot by police who burst into her home, while she was asleep and shot her and shot at her boyfriend and then tried to charge the boyfriend with attempted murder because he had people burst into his home with guns and he fired back. Um, and then you see a cop brazenly sit there with his knee on a man's throat with two other cops holding down other parts of his body and another one standing there telling people that are saying, Hey, he can't breathe. Telling him to back off and to stay off drugs. You, you can't keep lying to yourself anymore. And I think that's kind of what's starting to happen. It, whether it's conservatives or whoever, people aren't able to to keep the mirage up anymore. And so, in my opinion, that is as impactful as anything, uh, because when people have to start telling the truth to themselves, then I think change will start to happen. Mm. Or, or maybe I'm being naive. <laughs> you know, I don't know. No, life is more than, as we know, eating and drinking. Um, is you know we have to ask ourselves the question again. Well, what what constitutes life? And uh, at some point, and Kellen's right. Now a lot of people of color are kind of bribed into being a little more quiet. But at some point, people start to realize that life is about more than just having some stuff and being able to eat and drink and be merry. That you know life is about having a bit of uh, you know self respect. Uh, you know, values and that kind of thing. In fact, I, I predict that um, if the police keep doing this kind of thing, that one of these times, what we're going to see, and then it's really going to be on, as they say, um, the police is going to get caught attacking somebody and the crowd's not going to watch. That that day is coming. And that's going to change a whole lot of things because what it will send to other people is that maybe we should not be afraid. And once people get over their fear, the people who run this society are really going to be in trouble. But you can see it. They, it was close. It almost happened uh, in that in the in in the, in the uh, George Floyd situation. You know, in fact, we've been talking with folks like maybe somebody had run at one of the cops, the one that with his knee. He might have gotten up to chase them, but they were close. They were really close to interfering. And at some point. Uh, people are going to push back. It's what's going to happen. I, I can see that happen. Yeah.
Mm. Yeah, I, I had that same thought, and I questioned myself. I said, you know, if I was in that situation, what would I have done? You know, um, and I don't know what conclusions I came up with because you never truly know until you're there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, at what point can we sit there and watch people be killed in front of us? And it's happened multiple times. <laughs> this is not the first time um, that's happened. Um, you know, and he uttered the same phrase that we've heard before, which is I can't breathe. Um, so uh, I believe, uh, Pops, you mentioned earlier, too, about just kind of the anger that people are feeling. And, um, you know, I'd be remiss if we had you on and didn't ask you this as someone with, you know, obviously decades and decades and decades, close to a century, really, of uh, experience um, dealing <laughs> <laughs> um, but dealing dealing with things and organizing uh, in the community. I mean, what would you say to people that are, are maybe listening and um, feel like they care and they don't really know what to do? Um, and they, you know, what would you say to people in terms of, you know, how can you, how can people make a difference? How can they start to, you know, affect some, some level of change in their world? Just an average individual that maybe hasn't been involved in, in the fight or anything like that in the past. or so maybe it's just kind of starting to be awoken to the realities of the world around us. That's a good question. Well, people have to start from where they are. Uh, you know, I remember uh, Martin King and, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. It's why he died. Is that him and Malcolm X are very similar. By the time they died, they had some pretty revolutionary perspectives. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why people play down what they really think. At the end of the day, they both had problems with the system that we live under, the social, political, economic system. Now, I always just think the beauty of being a Christian is that you could give it all up. You know, that if they you know what I'm saying? On some level, Christians have the potential to be the most revolutionary people in the world. And that, I know that sounds crazy, but think about it. Um, the things that are important to Christians aren't the things that really exist on earth. A Christian could live off, you know, some bread and soup most days and beans. I mean, real think about it, because what's really important to them is their relationship with the human, with their, with their God and their fellow human beings. And so if that's not right, they, they can't be happy. Right. And so since they know their reward is in heaven on some level and God is going to bless them. So that they got nothing to lose. You got absolutely nothing to lose. If society's not operating the way and you can get out and do so. So, uh, I said to say this, that people are to start where they are. Uh, I say this when I speak all the time, that what you have to do, especially when people come out and realize it's police fire, that's a problem. So you see, that's a problem. You notice that the healthcare system wasn't taking care of people equally. You see, that's a problem. So you just don't close your eyes to it. You have to open your eyes. Um, the only way you can change it is to look what's going on in the face. And you got to see why in the world would a company put the, put, workers' lives at risk. You gotta ask yourself that question. You gotta look at right now because those people saw making money more important than the lives of human beings. What changed my life on some level was, you know, I, I went to Christian schools, went to Christian college, and and I say this to people all the time. What what motivated me, because I'm not as deeply involved in church as I was, because I'm actually trying to figure out another path because I'm just frustrated. But people sometimes, the people who know me well aren't surprised by this. But I tell them, I began to do what I, what, uh, I do because of my understanding of Christianity. It blows them away. But that's what motivated me. I was, <laughs> you know, my reading of the scriptures made me realize that I needed to dedicate my life to working for justice. And there's a calling, no doubt, so everybody can't do that. But you can do what you can. You can do what you can do some good. You know that, I say this to black people lately a lot. So we know that kids get in fourth grade and they can't read. There's some statistics say that their chances of, of winding up in a penitentiary are great. So I say to black folks, so why aren't we organizing our communities to grab these fourth graders or what third, late third graders, people who graduate third grade, and make sure they can read with after school programs, summer programs, those are things, tangible things that we can do. And so uh -huh. you have to start doing the things that you can do. What can I do that's right right in front of me? But the other thing is our problems are systemic. So we have to look at, yeah. you see a problem, you got to study it. There's a reason for this stuff. When I tell people, you want to you deal with it, you want to understand what, you know what to do with it, like everybody else has, you've got to analyze your society. you got to say, this isn't right. Let me understand why it's not right. And of course, you know, it's... Americans are, are, are so programmed and propagandized, we don't even know history. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. for example. Shout out uh, Dr. G in his history class. That's true. Sorry, go ahead, Pop. 
the police problem. So you got to say, well, why did the police do what they do? And what I did a long, long time ago, I studied it. And I, when I uncovered it, said the police have a history. Their history dates back to slavery. Their history dates back to keeping immigrants in line. A lot of people don't know, you know, everybody calls themselves white, but they don't know that, you know, white Italians were not accepted in the United States. People called them some really bad names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people who were Irish were not white. People yeah. called them some really bad names, <laughs> right? Jewish people look white now, and of course, they, they, you know, we still have anti-Semitism, but at one point they weren't accepted at all. So the police played the role of keeping them in their place. And then everybody else graduated to be white. And so what was left was the black people to, to oppress. So the police, I learned their real role. Their real role is to protect the folks in power, right? To reinforce the stereotypes that exist, as well as to protect the interests of private property. It's like, oh, that sounds terrible. But mm-hmm. when you look at it, when you know the truth, what happens, it sets you free. And then you know that what's going on, this is, this is who they are. So we've got to organize to have either no police or police department that deals with us as if, we, as if we're human beings. And if you live in a society where that's not possible, then you do like me and some other folks. And I'm, I'm being facetious on some level, but this is how change happens. A lot of people come to the same conclusion that this is wrong. You know, it's how we got the Christian movement, right? And the disciples said, hey, I'm following that guy, Jesus, then I'm gonna do what he said, right? And we play it down now, but the early Christians were some bad folks, man. They, you know, they followed their heart. They were serious about following Jesus. They wouldn't even, the Romans couldn't recruit them to their army. Uh, you know, Christians easily, we go and fight okay. for the US. You couldn't, you couldn't make, you, you couldn't make a Christian sign up to fight in Roman army. Couldn't do okay. it. Why? Because Christians but didn't believe in killing people. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Now you're you know, you, <laughs> Go ahead, God. I mean, I'm feeling now. This is preaching to me now. No, we're, we're about to preach. Right? No, I was just going to ask. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned the truth shall set you free, and that—that's you know, my personally, that's the thing that drives me the most crazy is that so many people are so hell bent on denying the truth, and not even even denying the truth, just refusing to seek it in any way, shape, or form. I've been in. Yeah arguments with people online where they'll make a, a wild claim, let's say, about police. Like, you know, a couple of years ago, when they say, oh, it's a war on cops. And you'd say, no, it's not. Here's 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 the facts. Here's here's a link that tells you exactly what's going on. And, you know, police are, are in less danger than they have been in the past. And people are, you know, citizens are in more danger. So explain how there's a war on cops. And people will actively say, I'm not reading that crap. There's a war on cops, right? So I'm always curious as to why it is that there is such, why it is so many people just simply refuse to allow the truth to set them free. And I, I'll touch on a little bit about what I think, but you know that that's always driven me crazy, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a diseased social imagination you got to keep intact for your life to be intact, which is what you talked about, Kellen, right? There's worldviews intact that people want to keep that. And I think that's, particularly a problem in the Western church because of its, you know, political ties to right-wing conservative movements, right? Because now it's, you know, uh, you want to protect those things you've thought of as good, right? Uh, right? We hold up Billy Graham as a great hero and he did some good things, but he also was in the, you know, in the pocket with, you know, right-wing politics that was connected to race so there's a lot of things that we have to start uh which which Miller, we have to know our history right uh christians have the power not just the power but um the basis to be the most revolutionary people i think that's huge right especially in non-violent movements for justice right which is what we saw with with martin luther king but we have to start acknowledging the history asking the right questions um, right. James Cone said, you know, while the church is busy debating about uh, if Jonah was swallowed by the whale, right, the world is making inhumane laws against people to oppress them, right? Uh, and the church, who is called to a, a biblical view of justice that loves the oppressed and is willing to die on behalf of one another, right, uh, that's a radical movement that can start. And we've kind of lost the way of, uh, you know, the martyr. That's the first four centuries of the church before it gets tied in with government and empire is 
being willing to die because there is nothing to lose. If, if Jesus is king, right, and holds my life in his hands and calls me to love God and love one another, right, then I have nothing to lose, right? If I die, I live forever. What's it matter, right? So I can face everything up to death for the sake of justice. And it's going to take a lot of work to get particularly the white church in America there. The, the black church has been leading that in America, uh, you know, for centuries now, right, since its founding. But the white church in particular has a, a long way to go. And it's going to start with rebuilding theology. It's going to start with social justice movements online to start exposing these lies, like you're saying, Kevin, to overwhelm. You can't keep up the mirage anymore. Um, but I don't know, I think there's hope if we can start restoring what is, uh, what is the gospel, what is biblical justice, and what is happening in the world around us and starting to show systems, bring people out of their super individualistic mindsets, um, which is what we're trying to do here, right? On the wild, wild world, reunite righteousness and justice. You can't have personal pious religion and not have social action to match it. That's what all the prophets in the Bible talk about. Mm. It can't happen, right? So right. we're going to start that now. I was fascinated with the, the, the prophets. And, you know, you look at the Old Testament, pretty much the theme is justice. Uh, yeah. The prophets are always talk talking about just, you know, and poor Jeremiah, you know, and I think our times are very, very similar to Jeremiah because the folks are running around, you know, just <laughs> Jeremiah said, you know, why you keep them out, Lord, Lord, <laughs> you don't do what I say. And they keep them about the temple, the temple. So none that's not special about the temple. You're not treating your fellow human being. And, and that's not changed. That's still the gospel. You know, mm -hmm. if you say you love Jesus, then, you know, and the, the old, you know, the old apostles really held up to it, you know, James and, and John, you know, how you going to say you love Jesus and you're not feeling your brother who's right in front of you. You see him every day. Uh -huh. You know, you, yeah. or you you cannot get untangled from that scripture. Uh, <laughs> and that's what we have. And so it tells me that we, that Christianity really worships the culture. That's really what's, what it's about. We mm -hmm. worship the culture on some level. Yep. We worship ourselves, right? And that's why we can't break from it because even though things are wrong, it's like the good cop, bad cop guy, you know, he feels like I ought to do this, but he's caught in that uniform. I always say people to people, the good cops quit, and they do. The cops quit every year. There's a bunch of people who quit, and they'll tell you they quit because they couldn't do it anymore, couldn't take it anymore. And that's what Christians should be, where we just can't. We see something wrong, and we don't have have it all figured out. But they're protesting this thing. I'm gonna join, even the war stuff. You know, and, and, and we get caught in the parameters of being in the U.S., so we sit back, we think, you know, the U.S. is bombing people and killing people. Well, you know, all right. But the truth would be, be told that, you know, God didn't want, I mean, if you had to defend yourself, it's one thing. But the truth, if the truth is absolutely told, we know that that's not right. <laughs> you know, that's why in old days, a lot of Christians were out in front of this movement. Um, you know, I your neighbors can't people can't for economic because, gain. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And, and. And you know it's wrong, so you got to stand up for the reason. As I've I've been at things all day, I can't think of concrete examples, but there's things that happen right in front of you. Uh, for example, uh, you're going to you have a nice church, and you know that you're near the neighborhood, so to speak, and you know you know absolutely those kids in those schools are struggling. Well, adopt the school, right? Adopt the school. If nothing else, set up an after-school program, and then when mm -hmm. you begin to see these kids struggling, you're going to ask more questions. Well, why are they struggling? You see, mm -hmm. uh, the whole race thing. One of the problems in the church, because remember I was there, so I can tell you this, is that it's really crazy. But there are a lot of <laughs> some Christians who don't really see uh, other human beings as totally human. This is why the black folks and white folks, when they mix sometimes, they run into problems because they just haven't laid it all down. Just give it up. You know, it's, it's a fellow human being. I used to tease mm -hmm. kids when I used to speak. I said, listen, you know, they say, well, do you, you know, they would act. I would come to forums or people invite me to speak and say, well, Mel, Brother Mel, do you think that uh, the cops need special training and, and this and that? And I would say, listen, if you see somebody and they've got two eyes, a nose, a mouth, some ears, opposing thumbs, that's a human being. You don't need no special training to learn how to treat another human being. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. Yeah. Briefly, all of my Wild Wild World listeners to check out Stitcher Premium. Stitcher Thanks. Premium is an app, or Stitcher is an app, and the premium subscription to Stitcher includes 
bonus episodes, and exclusive shows from hit podcast hosts. Gives you early access to popular podcasts and ad-free shows. We're rolling now. Um, so if you use the premium code Wild World, not Wild Wild World, Wild World, just one wild, you get Stitcher Premium free for 30 days. All right. So what do you get with that Stitcher Premium? Again, uh, you get excellent uh comedy podcasts like Comedy Bang Bang or WTF or Mark Marin or one of my favorites, How Did This Get Made? Or get true crime shows like Criminology or even pop culture shows like LeVar Burton Reads. You remember LeVar Burton reading Rainbow? You know the song. It's probably in your head right now. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not going to do that to you. But anyways, Citra Premium is typically $4.99 a month or $34.99 for the year. But again, our listeners can get it free for 30 days with that code Wild World. So check that out please and thank you um just a little benefit for our wild wild world listeners including y'all 2023 peeps appreciate you i don't know if it'll still be good then but you can try um anyway so we've been we've been uh talking and and obviously you know it's been a heavy week and 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 there's been tragedy and pain and sorrow but i did just want to briefly before we let pops go here want to talk about something that if you've been listening, you know, we've been talking about and it just so happened that my father popped on his zoom and behind him is a poster of Michael Jordan. He is strategically placed right in the middle of the poster there of uh, uh, the Jordan Jumpman poster. And again, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks and he actually um, a week, was it a week ago uh, that wrote an article about uh, Michael Jordan and, you know, specifically with everything that's been going on with the last dance and talked a little bit about uh, the cults. Was it the cult of Michael Jordan? Is that the title? I call the gospel. Oh, the gospel. I'm sorry. I call it a cult because people are obsessed, uh, but the gospel of Michael Jordan. And, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, the, uh, the last dance series and, and related to different things in life like media and, and truth and whatnot. And we did touch on, uh, on, on a previous show, just, uh, you know, kind of Michael Jordan, the legend and, and what he did or didn't do for folks. But I also wanted to just ask you if you could just briefly touch on, you know, kind of what your article is about. Cause I found it very interesting, uh, especially in this time of Jordan worship uh, that's been going on. Uh, what what were your thoughts generally on uh, on the uh, the Last Dance series? I mean, you know, as far as just watching uh, the Bulls' uh, uh, success, I think you know it was a good series in that regard. But uh, if it didn't examine, uh, if it, it, it doesn't rate with any of the thirty thirties, thirty for thirties, or sixty uh, with the sixty minutes, sixty uh, e sixties, I've seen, I've yeah. seen much more engaging. And so Michael Jordan had control of this, and so uh, my my uh, commentary criticized Michael for being quiet. And ironically, even when he did his commentary, he was quiet about what was going on. You know, you know the sports thing that captivates you, right? Is like you know my, one of my favorites, and I'm gonna throw my picture. One of my favorites, thirty for thirty, is you can guess, Kellen, <laughs> the, the you, right? <laughs> and part so, one and part two, both. Yeah, both. I'm, I'm a Hurricane fan, man. Kellen, okay. I'm, I'm from Miami, man. I'm, I'm, I've been a Kane fan since they couldn't win a game to save their lives. So <laughs> That's uh, fair. That's I'm a fair. real guy. Yeah, I've been a Kane fan for fifty years. Over 50 years. Yeah, stop lying. We know anyway, we know it's about 75. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, that's been a long time to be a, a fan. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the series, the, youth, the, uh, the 30 for 30s, they actually captured the social surroundings, the social setting. Just like, you know, how when you study the word, you know, you said you, you got to study the social setting, right? So uh, they did, Michael Jordan left out the social setting, right? Mm-hmm. It was all focused on him, what was going on with the team and what have you. But that was, I think, it, it gave you a glimpse into who Michael Jordan is and how he thinks even to this day, because it wasn't that important. Michael Jordan is like, that's why I call it the, God, the gospel of Michael Jordan. He's the epitome of, the self, most of, of a selfish human being and a, of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Now, I like him. I think he played great ball. But my commentary called him out because there was an expectation. And you, you see it drop now, too. There's an expectation because black people are the except. We are the oppressed people. Oppressed people, when they have people who get the spotlight, there's there's an expectation that it's not carried out like it was before, that you say something on behalf of the group, the oppressed group you come from. And ironically, Michael Jordan comes from Wilmington, North Carolina, where in 1898, 
there were black people running the city, the white vigilant, white KKK, white supremacists gathered together and they overthrew an elected city government. You won't learn that in history because they don't want you to know what that kind of things happened. Um, mm -hmm. They overthrew it. And in the 1960s, early 1960s, they were trying to integrate the Wilmington school, school system. A bunch of young people were organizing to, to make sure the integration process was, was equitable and, 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 and they fought back out again. And what wound up happening was the, the, they, uh, the vigilantes burned down a building and blamed some black folks in a church, by the way, who had been meeting in the church right next door to this building. And, it's the, uh, and they were framed up, it's called the Wilmington 10. You can look it up, famous case. Uh, Dr. Ben Chavis, who's now the head of the National Newspaper, so he was one of the famous Wilmington 10. Anyway, so Michael Jordan, this happened in the early 60s. Michael Jordan was born, you know, around that time. And so it wasn't like when he grew up, he hadn't heard about it. He didn't know about the strife. So he made a conscious decision not to say anything. And so I called him out because uh, 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 Jabbar said that he chose uh, commerce over conscious. And then when he, when he had an opportunity to do something for folks, he never did it. When one of the most racist uh, senators in, in modern, at least in modern times, was uh, representing North Carolina, uh, uh, was it Strom Thurmond? Uh, was it, uh, I can't remember. Uh, it was. Uh, Jesse Helms. Yeah. It was Jesse Helms. Um, um, no, I can't remember. Someone ran against him. And even in his show, he did let, it, let us see that he, he actually said, when they said, hey, man, why aren't you going to su support the mayor of the shot at the time? I can't think of his name for the reason. Uh, and Michael said, well, I don't know him. So this is where I messed with him, you know, because Michael comes off like a god. What I started off saying that even in the series, you know, uh, Michael, remember Larry Bird said it, that Michael Jordan was god in a basketball uniform. Mm -hmm. And in the series, if you notice, they asked Michael Jordan if, you know, if he was a god, and he laughed it off. He didn't say he wasn't. Uh, I don't know if y'all paid attention to that. So, mm -hmm. I took, so I did a takeoff and said, well, yeah, he's a god, but he's a god of mammon. He's a selfish god, right? And yeah. so, uh, and taking on the theme of, 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 of him being god, I can't remember what was going with that, but he, uh, he kept silent. Harvey Gantt is his name. Oh, yeah. I said that, you know, uh, everybody worships him like he's God, but everybody knows that, that Jesus, when his mother Mary asked him to make some more wine, he didn't argue about, he didn't know the people at the party, he just made more wine. <laughs> but Michael Jordan, he, he, he denied his own mother, right? <laughs> he yeah. was so serious about making sure he made money. So, uh, so the piece is about uh, black people were catching H-E-L-L -L in the 80s and 90s when he had uh, he was reigning supreme on the basketball court. And, you know, there was a crack ep epidemic. There was a mass incarceration came along. You know, they, mm -hmm. they you know, over-sentenced and over-penalized uh, 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 black folks and criminalized them. Um, lots of stuff was going on. Rodney King got beat almost an inch of his life. And they asked him about the, the L.A. riots as a result of the uh, unjust verdict that came out of it. And Michael George said, well, he didn't know much about it. So, you know, he, he, he lied, uh, and I'll make the point that he made a point, not only of not speaking up for black, but he made a point of, of not speaking, he made a point of it. And he made right. a point of standing up, being a pitch man for uh, Madison Avenue. So that was the gist of it. And I closed it out by saying that, you know, when it came to the social justice, Michael shot air balls. And that, you know, while we were out mm. here catching all kinds of air balls that Michael opened, yeah, we, Michael opened not his mouth. <laughs> yeah, that was, it, his, that was his gospel. It's and that's part of why I, the whole Jordan worship thing uh, baffles me a little bit. Um, and, and I, and to me, it has to be marketing. Like it just has to be. People have to be upset, uh, consumed with what they were given and provided and marketed to. Yes, he was obviously great on the basketball court, and yes, that inspires some level of feelings and, and whatnot right but the level of i guess um love people have for jordan it baffles me because there's never been anything human that he's given to people and you mentioned pop like one thing I, I i was thinking as you talked about michael jordan was the most famous athlete in the world based out of chicago in the well, I, I I don't know when you exactly want to say he became the most famous athlete but like you said the late 80s and the 90s and he was doing so in one of the in the city one of the cities in America most affected by things like the crack epidemic, mm -hmm. uh, gang violence, mass incarceration, um, all of those things. We know 
there were like I have images in my head of like, oh, everybody wants those bulls jackets, but you can't necessarily wear them bulls colors. You know, we heard about people literally being killed for Jordans. It's actually happened, still happening on some level because there was a story about it not that long ago, right? You like he, he had the most popular shoe in the world at a time when wearing his shoe in his city could get you jumped, beaten, or killed, right? And he ne- and like he never did anything. I'm let me not say he didn't do anything for anybody because I know there are some things that he did, you know, on the low key and I've heard about him kind of donating money here and there. But I don't get why all these people love him so much when he sat back and did nothing and said nothing, at least publicly, while, quote unquote, his people, like you said, were going through it, you know, going through it sometimes as maybe it's not fair to say a direct result, but on some level as an indirect result of his products, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, we look at athletes now, like the LeBrons of the world or whatever, that speak up on these things going on to the point, and, and this even to the point where now if an athlete doesn't speak up, people kind of look at him and say, hmm. like, especially black, athletes, like, oh, what's, what's up with you? You know, why don't you say anything? But yet and still we worship Jordan as this deity who absolutely refused to speak on even the most obvious things. Like you said, Rodney King, you know, he, he you know, was Jordan opening up after school programs for kids in Chicago? Was he like everything we ever heard about Jordan was, you know, like his dream camp or whatever to cost like $20,000 for middle aged men to go to or what? <laughs> and again, I'm sure he did some things or whatever, but I've lived in the Chicago area for years and I have not heard anything about, oh yeah, Jordan used to do this thing growing up or back in the day. He used to have his camp. I grew up in Minneapolis. I can tell you of camps that were around and that we went to from different athletes in the city or whatever. You know what I mean? Like people that did things for kids you don't hear none of that with mike but people love him to act to death and it, it, it drives me a little nuts i'm not gonna lie so i'm sorry if i'm going on a little tangent here you know y'all might throw your eyes but i i don't get it and even and even with this whole um this documentary you know as i spoke on things like that like people don't really have answers either they say oh well mike was great you know <laughs> we say well they didn't touch on these things that you that you mentioned their dad or even he blatantly lied about things that we know aren't true like the whole isaiah thing and you know why didn't they get, go deeper into that like people will actually push black people will push back and kind of be mad like oh well you know mike is great don't be a hater da, da, da. it's like okay so basically he, we're just like hey you were great at basketball even though you ain't had no love for us and didn't do nothing for us or or actively avoided being involved in your community we still going to treat you like you could do no wrong. And I don't get it. I'm done. Mm. Right over. Mm. So this is just more <laughs> points for LeBron is the GOAT. We are confirming that again, another episode of the GOAT. <laughs> well, you're going to get his jump if you keep with this LeBron is the GOAT thing. Like, yeah, you, you're going to get people in trouble, man. He, he, I've been trying, man. I've been trying. <laughs> hey, but we're going to put a better human being. Better human being and a better ball player. I'll leave it there. No. <laughs> we'll put a link to this, uh, to the article in the show notes as well, though, for y'all to read it. But uh, People know. People know. I'm not joking, though. I'm very serious about LeBron being the goat. He 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 is dead serious about LeBron. LeBron he's brought Cleveland the ship. Cleveland. He brought Cleveland the championship. So Will is look. LeBron is my favorite player, but I'm not saying he's he's not a better basketball player than Jordan. But he is. Hey. Yeah. I, I I would I would much prefer. I, I'm glad I got to grow up in the era watching LeBron versus watching Jordan just be kind of a ruthless sociopath that won and did nothing else for anybody. That's like, basically my my thing with Jordan is if he'd have, if he'd have lost a couple of those championships, (laughs) the whole aura would have been different. Right. So he, he didn't do anything for anybody. So basically all he, all he brought to to anybody was you could say that your favorite player at the time was winning ships. And that's basically all it is. And for a lot of people, I guess that's fine. You know, sports is entertainment and, I guess, you know, your your favorite player or team winning is entertaining, but you know, it doesn't seem like a type of person I would necessarily want to be uh want to be rooting for. Which is the same thing I said about Kobe back in the day. And luckily it seems like, you know, obviously rest in peace, Kobe, but it does seem like he's a person that as he got older and mm-hmm. matured, he became much more human, much more yeah. caring and, 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 and relational and whatnot. When he came in the league, it was he was just kind of the same thing, a killer. He was the guy to say, I didn't need, I, I have friends when I retire, that sort of thing. And Jordan kind of seems to still be like, nah, screw y'all. Like, <laughs> I'm about these dubs and, you know, and nothing else. <laughs> so so I don't get it. That dude's got to be lonely. He just seemed that way in the documentary. I mean, yeah. just like the way he would answer everything. It's just like, man, you're holding grudges for all these years about a game, man. Like, well, if you notice, crazy. even 
even I, I had somebody tell me that, oh, well, his teammates, you know, talk, they were talking about his methods or whatever. They're like, oh, well, all his teammates that were interviewed, they, you know, they agree with him. said, one, well, he was in control of us. Yes, all his teammates that they interviewed or that they played the interview. <laughs> yeah. But even still, even with that, even with the, being a Jordan control, nobody really had, like, glowing warm things to say about him as a person. Like, if you notice, I, I don't know if anybody ever go back and watch it again. Like, the most they would say is, like, yeah, his methods were hard, but, you know, yeah, I guess that kind of worked, or he did kind of push guys. Like, it was almost like begrudging respect. There was not a whole lot of love and warmth, even from guys like Pippen and and, um, and Phil Jackson. They weren't like, yeah, Michael's a great guy. Yeah, we loved playing with Michael. Yeah, we just – we enjoyed this experience. Or, you know, yeah, I'm really glad that he did things. Nah, there was none of that crap. It was just kind of like, yeah, mm-hmm. we won, and it worked. And it kind of yeah. sucked, but <laughs> – you know, I guess hey, we're on a documentary thirty years later, so it must or twenty years later, so you know, hey, it must have worked on, on some level. So, anyways, yeah. that's enough Jordan slander for one episode. Will we've done it? I think we've done it. What five episodes in a row? We've slandered Jordan. <laughs> hey, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, man. It, uh, hey, but even Steve Kerr, right? He's speaking out about stuff today. Michael Jordan's not saying anything yet. No. Even today. A lot of people with a lot less job security than Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> saying. To like, say. Yeah, you know, so. it is. It is what it is. But yeah, you should read that article, listeners. We're gonna put. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but but you all realize that that Michael Jordan represented the culture. This yeah, is why true. you can't worship the culture. He was the extreme version. Of, he was. Uh, in fact, I say that you know, I was joking, saying he was the creation of the culture. I joke, he said he was creation of. He was created by by capitalism or something because remember the only thing that was important here was winning and and this is where we get dangerous i can remember being in church and hearing pastor talk about winning and losing i thought ooh, this, this i remember thinking this could go down the wrong road right yeah. <laughs> because mm. everything is not about i mean what do you mean winning man yeah. don't you mean cooperating i mean yeah if we're playing a game you want to win but then the game's over you move on, right but we should be about setting up a society in which people or cooperate. That's what we do in church on some level. The small micro is, is on. The people sit in church and they work with each other, do stuff. Of course, there's fights in church, you know, no doubt. But we have kind of a cooperative relationship, right? Then we leave church and we get to compete with folks and, you know what I'm saying? We hammer some people and keep walking away and, you know what I'm saying? We compete with folks, we beat some people out and we never think, whoa, let me go back and see how that person is. Uh, maybe we could do this differently where we could all win. Right, because we live in a society where you only have a few winners, and everybody else is designated to lose. Right? Why do we have to have a boss that says, "All right, a dollar for you guys, five million for me. Dollar for you, five million for me." (laughs) Right? It it is really interesting that you know I think about all the lessons I've you know been taught. You know, whether in life and movies or whatever, whenever it's something about either the beginning of a society or the, even the construction of a great society, like how did the United States come about or Rome or all these, it's always, it ends up being on some level about cooperation, different people groups come together and form something. They can work together and, you know, they're building something bigger and greater than themselves. But then somewhere the narrative shifts, at least from, you know, how we're taught in school, or whatever, to now go out there and compete with each other. Now it's not about cooperating, like you said. Now it's about competing with each other, competing, being better than the next man instead of connecting your your, your puzzle pieces with other folks and figuring it out. But it's a beautiful thing. You know, that, that's how we first got cities and towns because people came together and stopped being nomadic scavengers or whatever and came together and cooperated. But now all of a sudden cooperation is a bad thing. And if you talk too much about it, they'll call you a commie. So... And then I don't know what they do with that part. That, you know, in Acts, it's like, you know, the Christians have shared everything coming. You don't hear too many sermons about that. You don't hear many sermons too. about that part of Acts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't skip all that. They, do, they were doing what? It was, no, no, let's, 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 let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, there was a title of a sermon I heard one time, uh, and I can't even remember where it, it might have been. Your boy Vody Bachum will might have been. That ain't uh, my boy. Sp- I don't know. I was just like getting a reaction out of you. Um, but I believe it was it was titled "Are You More American or Christian? Are You More American than Christian?" Something of that nature. I have to find it. Maybe we'll put that in the show notes. Um, but 
anyways, well, look, I think this is a good time to wrap it up because we can just go on, you know, 20 different uh, roads here and tangents. Um, but, you know, we're, we're at about a nice tight hour right now. So I uh, want to respect you guys' drive home. Psych, you're not driving home because, you know, most of y'all still in quarantine. But, you know, whatever, it's a lunch break. Whatever you're doing, listen to the podcast. We appreciate you. Um, but want to give another, a, a quick thank you once again uh, to you, Mr. Melvin Reeves. Mel Reeves. He don't like when I call him Melvin. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much. For, for coming on uh, We'll definitely have to have you again um, You know we got resources here In the back of our pocket as my dad always says You know use the resources you have So um, obviously we, we hope to have you on under More pleasant circumstances uh, Next time as You know the world continues to burn All around us but uh, uh, Once again uh, you can check Mel out at uh, At Melanius one on Twitter That's M-E-L-L-A-N E-O-U-S, the number one at Twitter. Uh, again, uh, he's also uh, the proprietor of fightthepowerjournal.com. Again, that's fightthepowerjournal.com. And also, he is a writer and the editor of the uh, Minneapolis Spokesman Recorder. Um, so you can check out uh, his work there, um, you know, in general, but also specifically as you follow along with the story, uh, uh if you follow along with the Floyd George story as well, uh, he will certainly keep you updated there. Uh, so please check that out. Will, where can the people catch us at? KingdomDreamer.com, patreon.com forward slash KingdomDreamers, support the movement. And I'm ready for this talk about uh, capitalism, the nature of capitalism. Maybe that's next episode. We'll see. Oh, y'all the juices me, are now flowing. Y'all got me fired up, man. Uh-oh, you're going to start some trouble. Yeah. Because, you know, I've run into Christians who say that capitalism is ordained by God. And I'm like, oh, yeah. See, this is another one. We're going to bring your past back on, Kellen. We're going to have this conversation. So the three of us will be back next week. (laughs) We're going to have this conversation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's coming. It's coming. So. uh, (laughs) And it's days and numbered, boy. It's days and numbered because people are looking and going, whoa, is that that, this system we live in? Man, what? This this kind of you know people are starting to go ooh right you know it's kind of rough on this joint I know it was this bad you know people are, the pandemic is is opening people's eyes I tell you that much so look so, so if that that's giving you a little taste so may, maybe we'll definitely have to make this happen soon while we are still in the midst of uh, this pandemic here uh, so pops get me on your calendar somewhere I know you got a busy schedule but uh, thank y'all for listening check us out please like subscribe download share with your friends um, all our 2022 and 23 peeps appreciate y'all as well we will catch y'all next week here on the wild wild world show appreciate y'all peace thank you Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wild Wild World Show. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Twitter at KingdomXDreams and learn more at KingdomDreamer.com. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Bible Software. If you've been longing for the tools to take your Bible study deeper, you need to try out Logos. I've been personally using Logos for over a decade now for both my devotional and pastoral study. Right now, Logos has partnered with the Kingdom Dreamers to bring you exclusive savings. Check out at logos.com forward slash kingdom dreamer or click the link in the show notes for our exclusive offer.